Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you that we get to call you our Father, that you are the creator of the universe. Lord, you are so much higher than we are, so holy and awesome and powerful, and yet we get to call you our Father because of Jesus, because he made the way, not anything we did on our own. And I just praise you for that reality. Um, Lord, thank you for every soul that is in this room, every person that you brought tonight. I just pray that you will please soften our hearts and open our hearts to hear what you want to tell each of us individually. May we be attentive to your voice. May we be encouraged. May we be challenged. Lord, um, I just pray that you will show us who you are through your word. We know that your word is powerful. We know that it is the only thing that has power to change us. So Lord, please work in all of our hearts now. Lord, please speak through me your words of truth. Apart from you, I have nothing good to say. So I ask that you will speak through me and that you will just move in this room as we consider the last lesson um, on your compassion in your heart. Pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, guys. So we are continuing but also finishing our series in the person of Jesus. So this is the last night. For those of you who've been with us, y'all probably remember that we have been looking at Jesus as a person. So not just learning a bunch of facts about Jesus, but examining who is Jesus and what is his heart for sinners and broken, lost people. Um, so we have specifically been looking at the attribute of Jesus's compassion and his heart of compassion towards those in need. So tonight we are going to continue that. We are going to be looking at Mark chapter 5 verses 21 through 43. Um, and the title of tonight is Compassion for the Desperate. Jesus and the bleeding woman. So this is a miracle. Actually, it's two miracles put in one that we're going to see. And the main point of this lesson is that Jesus loves those who are at their most desperate places. And the question to consider through this lesson and what we're going to see the people that are, that are interacting with Jesus is how are you individually going to respond to Jesus? Because the Gospel of Mark was written for Mark's readers to know the Gospel of Jesus and the power of the Gospel and for it to transform their lives. This isn't just to get a bunch of knowledge about this guy that walked the earth. This is the knowledge of the Gospel that has the power to change and transform your life. So the main point to remember tonight is Jesus loves, loves those at the most desperate. And the question is, how are you going to respond to him after you hear these words? So I'm just going to start reading Mark 21 through 43. It's a little bit of a longer passage, but um, this is God's word. So I encourage you to listen intently and see what might be new tonight. And when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered about him, and he was beside the sea. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and seeing him, he fell at his feet and implored him earnestly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her, so that she may be made well and live. 
and he went with him. And a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. And there was a woman who had had a discharge of blood for 12 years, and who had suffered much under many physicians, and had spent all that she had, and was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard the reports about Jesus, and came out behind him in the crowd, and touched his garment. For she said, If I touch even his garments, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing around you, and yet you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling, and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. While he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house some who said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not fear, only believe. And he allowed no one to follow him except Peter and James and John, the brother of James. They came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and Jesus saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. And when he had entered, he said to them, Why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. But he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was. Taking her by the hand, he said to her, Talithi kumi, which means, little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl got up and began walking, for she was 12 years of age. And they were immediately overcome with amazement. And he strictly charged them that no one should know this and told them to give her something to eat. All right, that was a lot, but there's a lot in this text, so I'm excited to get into it. So there are four main characters that we see presented in this text. There's Jairus, there's his daughter, the one who's sick and dies. There's the bleeding woman who doesn't end up having a name, actually. And then, obviously, there's Jesus. So we're going to look at these characters and, and what they do and what that means for, for us today. So first, a few things to know about what's happening here. Um, so the setting, this was actually right after the story that Jordan um, told a few weeks ago, the, um, the other healing of the dealing possessed, demon-possessed man. This was right after this happened. Um, so we see that Jesus is being surrounded by people. There are crowds of people following him. I mean, he's probably exhausted at this point. I'm sure he is very tired with all these people following him. Um, but they, they are just, they're seeing what he's doing and they're intrigued and they want to know more. And so immediately we see Jesus encounters this man named Jairus. And the first thing we, we know about him is that he's a ruler of the synagogue. So that means that he was most likely wealthy and he was most likely prominent in, in the society. But what is amazing is the way that he approaches Jesus. So Jesus is, is this man that, I mean, Jesus isn't wealthy. Jesus is a carpenter. 
you know, th there's nothing necessarily culturally really exciting about him. Um, but this man who is wealthy and who is well known approaches Jesus with full humility and falls down at his feet and starts begging Jesus because he's heard what Jesus has done. And he, he wants this done for his daughter because his daughter is about to die. Um, so he, th this man comes and he stops Jesus. And, and what we see throughout all of the Gospels is how often Jesus is interrupted. I mean, Jesus is constantly being interrupted by people. But the amazing thing is he doesn't ever get annoyed and be like, oh, I have somewhere else to be. Can y'all hurry this up? He, he stops. He engages. He calls these people by name. He is constantly living a life of interruptions, which as followers of Jesus is something he calls us to do as well, is, is live a life of being interrupted by people. That's, that's part of it. So that's Jairus. And right after, so you know, you would think, okay, this little girl is about to die. And next we see this woman who's had the same disease for 12 years. So you probably think, shouldn't Jesus heal the woman that's about the girl that's about to die first? Like this woman's been dealing with this problem for 12 years. Why is he choosing to to stop and be with her? He needs to go hurry up and heal Jairus' daughter. But Jesus sees that this woman needs to be healed, and it's very important to him. And so he is interrupted, and he stops, and he engages this, this woman. So there, there's a lot to know about this woman who doesn't have a name. Um, this has been a debilitating disease that she has had for 12 years. And we see that she spent all of her money on it, so she doesn't have any money. The doctors can't figure out what's going on. I mean, she's probably hopeless at this point. And this woman, the thing about her disease is in this time, and if you look back at Leviticus, uh, specifically chapter 20 of Leviticus, this woman is considered unclean. So she's an outcast to society. She can't get married. She can't participate in any part of religious life. Um, so not only is she experiencing these things physically, but emotionally and spiritually, she's cut off from everyone. She's an outcast. She's alone. And, and you see when she approaches Jesus, she comes from behind. She, she touches his garments from behind because she knows that if she goes up and tries to engage him one-on-one, -on -one, people are going to be like, whoa, you can't, you can't touch him. You're unclean. So this woman has an enormous amount of faith that she's even showing her face in public in reaching out to touch Jesus. Um, so another thing to note, if y'all pick this up, this woman has been going through this for 12 years, and, and the daughter of Jairus that dies is 12 years old, too. I don't think that's a coincidence, and we'll get to that in a second, what that, why they're both the 12 years mark. But the woman has been dealing with this for 12 years, and the little girl who dies is 12 years old. So we see this woman come and touch Jesus' garments from behind, and we note that he heals her immediately. Verse 29 says it was just an immediate thing. She, she touched his garment. She's immediately healed. And actually, uh, something that I read as I was studying on this passage is that in these days, there was this superstition that it, you could receive this benefit by touching like the cloak or the garment of a great person. And so there's probably some superstition in her belief. Like she probably thinks there's magic in Jesus's garment and I need to touch it. And what we know is true is it's not Jesus's garment that's magical. It's Jesus that has this power. It's not Jesus's garment that contains the magic. Um, so even though her faith is not 
perfect. Her faith is, you know, it has superstition in it, and she doesn't fully understand Jesus. He doesn't say, no, you got it wrong. You, it's not my garment. He, he is gracious with her. He doesn't just say, oh, you're, you have some issues, and you need to get your theology straightened out first. But he immediately heals her um, because that's what, that's what his heart is longing to do. His compassion radar is always on in seeking out people to heal and, and to serve. That is what Jesus came for. And something to note is what his disciples say in verse 31. So they say, you see the crowd pressing around you, and yet you say, who touched me? Um, and what's interesting is the distinction that's made here, because there's a lot of people in this crowd, and they're, I mean, it's a, it's a big crowd, they're brushing up against Jesus, they're touching him, but this woman with this faith is reaching out to touch Jesus to be healed. And there's a note that we can apply at this point, asking ourselves, how do we interact with and see Jesus? Are we just close to Jesus or say we're close to Jesus because we have proximity, because our parents take us to church, or we read our Bible sometimes, maybe for school, or we, we are raised in the South, so it's just you just say you're a Christian? Are you just one of the people in the crowd that's rubbing up against Jesus? Or are you the person, this woman, who knows how desperately she needs Jesus and reaches out and touches his garment because she knows Jesus is her only hope. This woman has tried everything else, and she knows that Jesus is her only hope. She's not coming to him with this detached curiosity. She's coming to him with her full faith, saying, this is the only thing I have left. This is all that I have left. And what, what Jesus does is he just doesn't let her go away. But he says, where did she go? And he's seeking her because Jesus is about healing people fully. He's going to reverse. And we're going to see that in a second. But socially and all the ways that this woman has been hurt, he completely heals her. He doesn't just give her a half healing. And ultimately, he came to heal her spiritual need, her need for himself. And that's what he's getting at here. So Jesus seeks this woman out um, to heal her holistically, not just her disease physically, but the disease of her sin inside of her that she desperately needs healing from. So after Jesus heals this woman um, and in this miraculous way, we see that he goes back to Jairus' daughter. And at this point, she's died. So he gets word that, that she has died. And what is so interesting in verse 39 is when Jesus says, why are, you, why are you making a commotion and weeping? This child is not dead, but sleeping. The child died. He's not saying this child didn't actually die. But what he's saying is that death to Jesus, it's just as easy to raise someone from the dead as it is to wake them up from sleeping to Jesus. Because his word contains all authority and power. So waking up someone from their sleep or raising them from the dead, it's just as easy for Jesus to do both equally. And this is the power, shows the power of his words. That all he has to do is utter a word and bring her back to life. And that's exactly what God did when he created the world. He spoke and, and the world existed. And that's what Jesus is doing here. He brings dead things back to life just by the power of his words. Jesus' words are the only 
are the only things that have authority to change us. It's not ourselves, it's not trying harder, but it's God's word and, and it's God's word working in us through the Holy Spirit. That's the only thing that has the power to change us. But the sad thing that we see is the way that, the, that these people laugh at Jesus. So they were just mourning the death of this girl and in an instant they just turn around and start mocking Jesus. They, they don't understand. They, they don't understand who he is. And in verse 43, we see that Jesus asks to give this girl something to eat. So again, he's not, Jesus just doesn't half-heartedly heal a person, but he cares about their full healing, their full restoration, not just healing them and running away, but engaging with them individually as people because that, that's who Jesus is. And what is amazing when we go back to seeing that this girl was 12 years old and the woman that was bleeding had been dealing with this for 12 years is that either way, whether you're young or whether you're old, one, and it's never too late to be healed by Jesus. It's never too late. But at the same time, it also can never be too early there's a sense of urgency here that, that Jairus and the bleeding woman both knew that they needed Jesus. And while they needed him physically to heal them, we all need him spiritually. Because if we have not trusted Jesus, our hearts are as dead as Jairus's daughter. So knowing our desperate need for Jesus and crying out, it's all he asks for. He doesn't ask us to clean ourselves up first. Just like this woman was completely unclean, Jesus takes what's unclean and makes it clean. No one else would touch this woman, but Jesus touched her and he didn't become unclean. He made her clean just by touching this woman and making her clean. So I'm going to quickly play, Jordan, do you mind? Um, we're gonna watch a video. So th this is just a few minute video, it's by Matt Chandler, one of my favorite pastors, and this is an example he gives of uncleanliness um, and how Jesus is not afraid of us being unclean and that all he wants us to do is run to him and he will heal us. So we're going to watch this really quick. Oh, sorry. You're teaching the basics of our faith. <laughs> I know. I know that's pretty intense, but is it, wasn't that good? Did y'all like that? Did you get the point? So the point that he's made, like, okay, guys, let's reel back in because there's only a few minutes. So the whole point that he was making in that video is that that guy was using that, the illustration of the rose say, Jesus wouldn't want this. It's dirty. It's messed up. And that's, and what Matt Chandler was saying is that's why Jesus came for the dirty and messed up people. You're missing who Jesus is. The gospel isn't about getting yourself together. The gospel is about knowing how desperately you need Jesus and running to him. And that's what we see in, in both of these miracles in Mark 5. Whether it's the 12-year-old girl that died or the woman that was dealing with this bleeding for 12 years, they knew their need for Jesus. Jairus, is, Jairus in this case, for his daughter, and then the bleeding woman knew their need and reached out to Jesus. And there's, you are, it's never too late. But at the same time, it's never too soon. There is a sense of urgency here that instead of being one of the people that's brushing by Jesus in the crowd and being okay with that, Mark is getting you to ask the question, are you 
going to be more like the bleeding woman who knows your need for Jesus and reaches out and touches his garment. And the thing is, is this woman is not saved because Jesus' garment had magic power in it. This woman isn't even saved because of her faith. Her faith is the instrument. It's, it's Jesus that saved her. It's Jesus' power that healed her. And her faith is the instrument that received this. And for the first time in her life, this woman was able to go out in peace. Um, so we see here all these things that changed once Jesus restored her. Her bleeding stopped. She, she doesn't have to suffer anymore. She doesn't have to be an outcast to society anymore. She doesn't have to have all of her money gone anymore. She's now clean. She's now welcome in her community. She's treated like a human again, and she finally has peace. It's not just that he physically healed her, but he healed her in all of these areas. So just some applications before we go on to, to worship in small group. So the first is seeing the way that Jesus brought Jairus' daughter back to life shows that his words have ultimate authority to heal us. We are not capable to change our own hearts or to fix ourselves. And the question is, what things, these are just some things to think through on your own, what things are you going to to be healed or to be changed by? Is God's word the first thing that you think of that you need to be changed, that, to change you? Or what other things? Because we all go to something, whether we know it or not, we all go to something to make us feel better about ourselves or to fix us. And what is that thing you're going to? Another note, another thing just to think about is, is this whole thing of, of 12 years and, and what this means to you. Are you running to Jesus to be your savior, to forgive you for your sin, of your sin, or are you going to something else or trying to fix it up? Or, or maybe, do you not think you need Jesus? Do you think you're all right and you're not too bad? Because the news is you do need Jesus and you are bad. Um, so there's urgency in this. Um, and, and the other question is, how, how do you see Jesus? Who is he to you? That's what Mark wants you to figure out by reading this gospel. Who is Jesus? And there is never a time that we have to stop, that we stop troubling him, that we stop begging Jesus, that we stop coming to him. He doesn't get tired of that. He never gets tired of us coming to him again and again and again and begging him for help again and again and again. That's why he came. He doesn't get tired of us. Every other person does. Jesus won't. He won't get annoyed with you. He won't get frustrated. He, he loves when you come to him for help. That's literally why he came to earth, and that is his mission. And ultimately, what's amazing is all of this culminates in, in the truth of the gospel, that Jesus would go to the cross, and he would also have blood come out of him, that Jesus would die like Jairus' daughter and not be raised in a few minutes, but in three days. He would die on the cross, and he'd be in the tomb for three days. That ultimately, while Jesus brings physical healing, this is all pointing to our need for Jesus to heal us spiritually from the disease of sin. And that's what he did through his life, through his death, and through his resurrection. So I'm going to pray, and worship team, y'all can come back up. Heavenly Father, thank you that we, we do not have to fear coming to you. Lord, that you sent your son for the unclean, for the unworthy, for those who can't get it together, and you came to seek and save the lost. I pray that if there's anyone here that doesn't know that, that they will. 
I pray that for those of us who do know that, but forget it, that we will continue to remember daily and continue to come back to you for forgiveness freshly every day. Lord, that we will run to you time and time again, that we will be people that are interruptible as you were in the Gospels, and we will seek people out who need help, Lord. And I also pray that we will know that our urgency, that we need you now. There isn't time to wait. We are in need of you this very moment. May we all cry out to you the rest of this week and know that you are a God that delights to save us. It's in your name we pray. Amen.